Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. The Podcast Playground. Welcome to the Taking a Walk podcast. This is Buzz Knight. Follow us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, the Podcast Playground, or wherever you get your podcast. And leave us a review, just like David Myers did on Apple Podcasts. He said, great podcast, easy to listen to. The host is having a good time. You will too. I love it, David. Thank you. Today, our guest is Brooklyn Sedano, an actress and director. She's been in TV shows like Cruel Summer, Taken, and Ballers. She's the daughter of Donna Summer, and she's just directed a new documentary called Love to You, Donna Summer on HBO. We'll join Brooklyn Sedano next on Taken a Walk. Hello, Brooklyn. Hi, Buzz. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you for being on Taking a Walk, albeit uh, virtually, but thank you for being here. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. Congratulations on the documentary. Tell us about the process that led to the creation of it. Well, you know, it started about seven years ago from the very beginning, and, you know, I... I went to my father, was like, you know, there's so much, I think, that people don't really know about my mom. And I had just become a mother and was processing her not being there and, you know, having people come up and share their stories. And 
I just felt like there was a really great opportunity to have a film that really was reflective of her in all of her facets, not just the persona that people, you know, the icon, the, 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 you know, the buzzwords that people kind of gravitate towards. But she really was an artist and a really complex woman, and I felt like it was really important for the world to be able to see that. Well, your mother was a trailblazer, really, in the music industry. What's her legacy, um, and you know, how do you hope to continue to showcase her work? Well, I think this film is one of the ways we are able to really move her legacy forward and allow people to really, in knowing who she really was as an artist, I think there's a deeper level of understanding, of respect for what her contributions to music, to culture. Uh, I mean, electronic dance music was created with her, Pete Bellotti and Giorgio Moroder with I Feel Love. Electronic dance music is pop music these days. And so I think that her legacy continues to, to move forward through the music formats and, uh, you know, style and fashion. And I think this film is just kind of bringing awareness to all of that. Well, you come from a, you know, a family with a rich musical legacy. Um, how was it growing up around music and how did it influence your your career and, and your artistic purpose? Well, my sister Amanda says in the film, it was like living in a musical. <laughs> you know, uh, everything in our family was about creation. My dad, Bruce Sudano, is a songwriter and a singer and artist himself, and my mother would paint. And so, you know, everything was a creative endeavor. And so that's how my sisters and I, we all live our lives in some kind of creative way. And so I think it's, for us, been very rich and, and just felt normal that we would try to always be in this mode of creativity and see the world, even in the small minutia of it, as something wonderful and to be expressed. And so, you know, I think I, I count it as a great blessing to have had that and to be able to use that foundation in my own life. I mean, we're just in the family business, basically. <laughs> well, your mom's music, it was a bit of a paradox in that, um, you know, she was kind of the first lady of, of love, but yet, um, you know, her religious beliefs as well were in conflict with it. Can you talk about that? Yes, you know, I think my mom had this very strong calling. I mean, she even, she would speak about it often, that she felt that she heard the audible voice of God tell her, you're going to, you have a gift, use it well, you know, you're going to be famous. So from a very early age, she felt this very strong spiritual calling. And I think the way that it happened wasn't how she anticipated. And so, but she also realized that this was her door in, and so she was going to take it. So I do think that there was always kind of this rub of how to, you know, make these things work together. At her core, she was always, you know, spiritually connected to God. But, you know, she she was living out in the world and doing all of these different things. And so, you know, that, that, that was a bit of a rub, you know. I mean, it was definitely sometimes hard for her family to go to church <laughs> or, you know, to reconcile just kind of how sexual and secular the music was to what she was kind of coming out of. What was it like for you pouring through her archives? 
it was like finding a treasure chest. Uh, it was such a, a blessing to be able to. We, you know, my mom was an early adopter on uh, technology. So we, she would ha- had a video camera out on the road and in, in doing these backstage skits with her bandmates in the 1970s, and that wasn't typical, you know, for an artist. So a lot of the film is really her behind the camera. So in many ways, she's, she's the cinematographer and sometimes the director of the film. Uh, and so it was just finding, uh, like, a, a gold box of treasure to be able to go through and see all of these things as they were happening in the moment. Um, it was really a blessing to be able to do that. During that period, I think it's fair to say uh, Boston and the area was, um, you know, there was a lot of uh, racism. Um, Can you talk about that perspective uh, and how I think your mom looked at that? You know, I think my mother viewed it. It was something that, yes, everybody was having to kind of navigate at that time. But my mom was also a risk taker, a box breaker. You know, she was in a band called The Crow, which was a psychedelic rock band at the age of like 16 or 17. And it was an all white band. And she was the lead singer, The Crow, as a black woman. So it was something that she was wishing, you know, willing to push the boundaries on. But I do think that her moving out of Boston at that time was because of some of the dynamics and things that were going on. And she moved to New York, which is where she was able to, you know, get into the scene there and the art scene and the singer-songwriter hippie kind of vibes that was going on there, which launched her then into hair, which brought her to, to Germany. So, um, you know, I think her way to deal with it was to just push through and to not let that stop her. And, you know, that, that was her, her nature was to just break beyond the boundaries. Does it blow your mind thinking that she really kicked off the disco era? (laughs) You know, I think that's one of the things that I most appreciate about her after having done this project was really understanding all that she did, all that she recorded and performed and did the press for during that time. It's incredible that I'm amazed at how much she was able to do and accomplish as well as juggling being a mother at that time. Uh, You know, it is, it it is, she said she did what she said she was going to do. And that's really amazing to be able to be a part of that legacy. You've had success as an actress and a singer. How do you balance those two careers? And, and do you find that one sort of informs the other in a certain way? You know, for me, I I feel like they're all, even with directing this film, it's all storytelling. And it's just different, it's just a different way of telling a story. It's a different way of, of owning a character or a persona. And it's using this storytelling to communicate with people, um, some emotion or feeling or event. And so for me, it's really just about storytelling and, and are you, are you connecting with the audience and how you do that? You know, for me, my singing has really happened through being an actress. I, I, you know, that's really where I've been able to perform as a singer, mostly in my career. And so to be able to kind of connect all of those things has always been a fun thing to do. I always 
you know, raise my hand when somebody's asking, I'm like, I'll do it <laughs> because it's such a natural part of my life music. And so to be able to, to weave that in, um, I always jump at that chance. What philanthropic causes were, uh, important to your mom and which ones are important to you? Oh, wow. Um, you know, my mom always, uh, gave to the Salvation Army and would do things for the Salvation Army because when she was growing up, she would go to their camps and things in Boston. Um, you know, the gay men's health crisis, uh, she was, uh, you know, all, did many shows for them, uh, the Elton John's Aid Foundation. Um, you know, she she really, my mother was a giver by nature. So whether it was a nonprofit or the person on the side of the street that needed a hand, uh, she would be the one to do it. No questions asked. And so my mom's um, legacy of giving is something that I think is very important to me and my family. And so, you know, I, again, we, we try to, to partake and do all of those things uh, in our, in our daily lives. But there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of charities that I, 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 I am a part of and try to give to mostly for me, it's like mother and children. There's like Alexandra house in Los Angeles and, and, uh, you know, different things like that. So I, I try to, um, to follow my mom's footsteps when it comes to those kind of things. You've been around the entertainment business for a long time. How has the, the industry, uh, evolved? What changes do you sort of notice? You know, I, the, unfortunately, what I've noticed is that it's much harder and harder to make a living for most artists. And I think that, you know, um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of people that are able to create, but sometimes it is harder to, you know, you can get it out there. There's just so much content. But it also is also harder to make a living creating that content these days. And so that's been a little bit tricky. Obviously, there's a writer strike going on in Hollywood and the DGA and the SAG after also have their conversations. I mean, this is very much talking shop. But, um, you know, I, I do think that it is becoming a little too unequal and that we have to, we have to reset. We have to reset the system because artists are not going to be able to live off their art. And so we're going to miss out on some great art as a result of that because people are not going to be able to, to, to sustain themselves doing it anymore. What does it feel like when you hear your, your mom's music uh, on the radio to this day? Can you describe that feeling? Well, for me, it's always a little bit of a wink, like, hi, I'm here. You know, um, I was getting on a plane recently, and as I was boarding the plane, hot stuff came on, and I was just like, okay, hi, Mom. So for me, it's just a, an acknowledgement that she's still with me. That's so sweet. <laughs> what would your mom uh, think of this project? You know, I think she would be really proud. I, uh, growing up, my mom would always tease me and call me the reporter, and which I didn't like that title <laughs> because I would come home and I would share everything that happened in the day. And, you know, it was my, a little bit of a journalistic streak in me. So, uh, I think she would just get a kick out of the fact that my first big film report basically would be on her. And so, you know, I, I definitely feel like, uh, 
uh, I've been able to move her story forward in a way that she wasn't able to. And so I think she would be proud about that. Is there one thing you learned with this project that you didn't know about your mom? Hmm. You know, I think it just enhanced what I knew about her. And like what I said earlier, I think, you know, I have a deep appreciation for the sacrifices she made to be successful. And, you know, and there was sometimes ramifications for that. You know, my older sister Mimi had to live with her, her, my grandparents and was away from my mom. And, and, you know, that affected her life in a different way than it affected my sister Amanda and I's life because we had more of my mom because she was at a different point of her career at that point. So I think I, I have a deeper appreciation for the sacrifice uh, uh, and that the sacrifices, I should say, that she had to make in order to live out her calling and live out her dream. Well, you have a glow about you about this project, obviously, and I want to congratulate <laughs> you on the documentary, Love to Love to Donna so Summer. Much. Brooklyn, thank you for being on. Thank you, thank you. Have a great day. Taking a Walk with Buzz Knight is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.